0: Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app, which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already and that's not just because you can get Access to all 880 episodes of this show and very easily as well. But you can also watch live races, you can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now at the Racing app, it's your one stop shop, and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favorite daily racing podcast. <music> Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Thursday, December the 28th. I'm in the village of Hatesbury in Wiltshire today, visiting relatives, but will be back home tomorrow. And I enjoyed a, a a very good but very damp day at Kempton Park yesterday, where Gary Moore was the star, courtesy of editor De Geet, aboard whom Niall Houlihan lost his claim as a rider. Back-to-back successes in the feature there, The Desert Orchid Chase. And it was a Gary Moore half hour because he'd won the finale hurdle, grade two, formerly grade one, at Chepstow with Salva, very impressive. And he also won the Welsh National with Nassalam. And that was the most striking, barnstorming performance in the UK. Yesterday, Gary Moore joins me later. and It's a a lovely interview as well. In Ireland, the Supreme Novices Hurdle winner, Marine Nationale, was spectacular. Uh, Caldwell Potter was very, very good. In the Grade 1 Novices Hurdle. Reflections on both those performances later. And Willie Mullins swept the board in the two-mile chase with horses all owned by J.P. McManus. Mullins had a treble yesterday. He'll be hoping for more from Galapande Shot in the Savills chase today. Who is, if not on a recovery mission, at least trying to reassure people that that Gold Cup victory was not going to forever be the absolute zenith of his career as he's been defeated twice subsequently. In both races, he's been defeated by Fast or Slow, who was supposed to be taking him on in the Savills today, but isn't. He was a non runner earlier this morning, and this is what his trainer, Martin Brassel, had to tell me.
1: Uh, so, look, we were really looking forward to the race. Uh, it's been getting loads of hype, and we we're very happy with the horse. So, uh, it's just a shame that, you know, from Tuesday night and yesterday, evening, there was 35mm rain fell in Leopardstown so uh, as you could see there in the Paddy Power chase that uh, you know turned into a fair old slog only half less than half the field finished and um, like our Gold Cup is the Gold Cup in Cheltenham is the main target so um, luckily we have the option of the the Grade 1 in uh, the Dublin Racing Festival so um, rather than get a grueler there today um, we're going to wait and go there
0: people will look at his form and say, oh, look, he's got lots of wins on soft, softish ground. Do you think this is a slightly different kettle of fish from what he's won on before?
1: I think it is. I'll tell you, what's not ideal is they're running a 20 race runner handicap yesterday around Leperstone, So there's no fresh ground for the feature race of the week there today. Ah. So... uh I, I couldn't call that ideal for our potential Gold Cup horses.
0: I wonder then whether in years to come they might think about swapping the two races around or doing something a little bit different. Is it something you've suggested to the to the management?
1: I haven't suggested it to anyone. I'm just saying it as I see it there. Um, ideally, like they're great for publicly saying how they always have fresh ground for the next there was no fresh ground today for the Sabbath Straits Mm. so uh, like what they can do with ground in 24 hours where there was a deluge of rain yesterday sure there's nothing they can do for it
0: Okay, so he's not going to run. You did, however, have a runner in the in the big race yesterday, the Paddy Power that big valuable handicap, and you you came up second with with Panda Boy. Ran a ran a great race, I guess.
1: Both them ran very well, and I was very happy with both.
0: Yeah, and I guess when you run into a a horse of Paul Burns that's that's apparently that well handicapped, you just have to shrug your shoulders and say, "On to another day."
1: Yeah, it can often happen, though. is you know he he only won the beginners and and. The novice can often get in under the radar there. And I'm sure he did it well. I'm sure he'd be fairly penalised for it, but uh, look, at he got a nice pot for his trouble anyway. So uh, he didn't disappoint. He just ran into one that was better handicapped, I tell.
0: That was Martin Brassel, and that is one significant defection from this afternoon's Savills Chase at Leopardstown. David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, is with me today. David, does this in any way change the uh, central premise that this is the most important race run over the Christmas period, either in Britain
2: or in Ireland? No, I, I don't think it does. It obviously detracts from it slightly because in fast or slow, we had a horse who had won the races in which de Deschamps was beaten uh, on or has been beaten on his last two starts. Th- this was going to be our opportunity to see whether we could truly believe those defeats of gallupin and whether fast or slow is now a better horse than the reigning Cheltenham Gold Cup winner. So, of course, it detracts from it. But if you asked most people who watch horse racing, will the Cheltenham Gold Cup winner emerge from the King George at Kempton on Boxing Day or the Savills Chase at Leopardstown on the 28th. I, I think it would be a very, very, a, as Boris Johnson would have said, a stonking majority in favour of the Leopardstown race.
0: What did you make of um, Martin Brassel's measured but pointed comments about running your feature race of the Christmas period after you've battered the track with 20 runners in a handicap yesterday?
2: It's certainly... Sounds like a, a very reasonable and, as you say, a measured complaint to me. Uh, Martin Brassel, as we know, is not a guy who's going to uh, stand up and, and start shouting about things. But I, th- I thought that was a, a very fair point that he made. I am I, I can't uh, tell listeners of the Nick Clark Daily that I have the programme of uh, Leopardstown's uh, Christmas Festival in my head back to front. But obviously, uh, the... The Paddy Power Handicap Chase is a a, a big field over the uh, extended three miles and it chewed up the ground. So if it were possible uh, to put that race the other side of the Star Wars Chase, and there were 27 of them yesterday uh, that ran in that race, then that would seem like a sensible piece of planning. They might want to keep the Savills on the 28th, I'm guessing, because otherwise if you brought it to the 27th then you're in direct competition with the the Welsh National. But you could certainly move the three-mile handicap chase. And talking of the Welsh National, the Coral-sponsored marathon
0: showpiece at Sodden Chepstow yesterday was the centrepiece of an extraordinary half an hour, 45 minutes for Sussex-based trainer Gary Moore, who also won the finale juvenile hurdle with Salva, and uh, Kempton Park's Desert Orchid Chase, back-to-back runnings of that, with the hugely tough editor De Geet, aboard whom Nala Hullohan lost his claim. And it was another conditional rider who was uh, the star of the show, uh, the other side of the, the Welsh border, not only on Salva, but also on the Welsh national winner, Nassalam, who won by 30-plus lengths in a a quite eye-popping performance. And the, the trainer uh, joins me now, and he's not one prone to wild celebrations, but I hope you allowed yourself a a little bit of reflective glory last night, Gary.
3: I, I did, yeah. Um, I'm getting a bit old for you know, old so uh, you know, like you, you realise to enjoy it, but you know, you, you soon get back to reality. Uh, I, I,
0: I realise that. I realise that. It it sounds like you've got a decent house full of moors to celebrate with as well. Was it? Was It, it must have been quite a good atmosphere last night.
3: Uh, no, there's
0: only me and Jane. It was just, <laughs> they they all pulled in. They pulled in this morning. Then,
3: but they're all going to uh, this way. Uh, uh, J- Jamie's daughter's here to ride out. So the two, um, br- uh, her brother and sister are here, and uh, Jamie's little boy, uh, Josh's little boy, is here because his mum's riding out. She rides out every day. So, hey, Jane has to look after him, and Maria, So that's why.
0: <laughs> Jane Jane always has her hands full
3: trying to do invoices and things like that and the kids are asking for this, that and the other, but it's all good fun.
0: Yeah, and that's what that's what keeps the whole show on the road. And you you actually mentioned um Josh's other half Phoebe and how important she'd been in getting Editor De Jeep back on track yesterday she for the for out, you know? She she
3: really does, you know, and she's important to him. She buys him she's written him kind of nearly every day for the last two years sort of thing. Uh, it'd be either her or Josh or someone else or Nile when he scores it, you know, that, that not many other people get on him, you know. And, uh, you know, like, uh, she was very, very happy with him going into the race for the first time this year, sort of thing, you know. So uh, that's why I said to the owners, you know, like, he, he, he hadn't been better. And it was only on her to say so that he hadn't been better and been as good this year. This is the best he's been this year compared to the rest early in the season, you know. I mean...
0: It's interesting. I mean, do you think sometimes we just expect too much of these horses when they're performing at a very, very high level? We just keep expecting them to bang their head against the wall every time. And is that actually possible? Still
3: in bed. I I definitely think so. You know, like uh, when he was when he was kind of disappointing me in his first two runs, I, I thought, you know, this is the result of a hard season. Uh, last year you know uh, dancing in every dance in, 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 in grade great ones and things you know I thought uh, you know he'd done well to do that and i probably finished him off doing it sure I'd done the same beside of Grugia you know doing what he did in uh, his good year you know I think it actually took his toll for the following year and he never really came back to that but this also just proved me different he, uh, yesterday you know thank goodness
0: I watched the replay again this morning He, he is as hard as nails isn't he
3: he is, yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. He's very tough horse, very genuine horse, you know. He, you know, he runs his tail for you. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's just uh, a pleasure to have.
0: I mean that finish might have got the blood pressure up a bit. I don't really know what you were thinking when Nasalam was winning at Chepstow. I only realised just after I was standing about five foot away from you, but I didn't realise because you were completely unmoved and just sidled out of the of the owners and trainers at Kempton behind me, um, and tried to get a tried tried to get a quick exit. W- were you in a slight state of disbelief?
3: Well, you know, like he's going to unknown territory, six furlongs further than we ever raced before. And he'd been in the fast lane nearly all the way, which was obviously the right thing to do, you know. Um, his jumping was exceptional, and I just felt, you know, you, you, you know, you're, it's a long, old straight that is, and I thought, you sure about this, Kaelin, you know? And and uh, like he said, he couldn't do nothing about it. The horse just just went with him, you know. And uh, you know, as long as he didn't turn over, he, he, he there wasn't nothing going to catch him after the third last sort of thing, you know.
0: Uh, there was a, a list that Steve Jones, my colleague, put up on, on Twitter last night of horses who'd carried 11 stone six or more to win the Welsh National, and they included three three Gold Cup winners, Carville's Hill, and I think one or two others. Um, did it make you have a rethink about, about what sort of horse Nassalam actually is? <laughs>
3: Hundred percent, you know, uh, but you, you still think can't think no no he can't he can't be he can't be that good he can't be that good you know but I just wonder I mean I know the blinkers have done half the job but um, it's is the ground a massive deciding factor because that was last season we never really had heavy ground. Mm. And he was still a young horse last year, uh, you know, and you know, and it, 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 his first run of the year, you know, like I, I was I was disappointed with him at Aintree, if I'm honest with you, you know, and I, I couldn't wait to put a pair of blinkers on I mean, him because I said to Kaylin, this horse is only half doing it. He was like going 't with a handbrake on sort of thing, you know. Um, and that's why I put him on him straight away the next time, you know, and obviously it's had the desired effect. So
0: would you, <laughs> yeah, so would you think about I guess the handicap is going to give him a massive slap now, anyway. So would you think? Would you think about yeah, yeah. put it having to enter him in in the big championship grade one races, even if you think, you know, on the basis that it might get soft ground or might get heavy ground?
3: You'll you, you you'd have to do that. I mean, but I don't. I, I I'd rather I'd rather go straight to the national than the Gold Cup. To be honest with you, uh, it, 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 like this morning is the first time I've ever known him. He had up everything last night, but when I went into him uh, after we, he'd been had his first feed, he hadn't quite eaten up, and that that just tells me that he he knew he'd been in a race yesterday, you know. So, um So, uh, you know, like uh, I, I I I think he needs a good break, a good freshen up now, and then hopefully, if Mr Stone agrees it, uh, then we we'll go for the national, you know
0: and he's been a he's been a great owner for a long time john stone hasn't
3: he yeah he's been very you know he's, he's he's been a very very loyal owner and um he, he, he he's quite a i I think he's a very lucky owner as well you know because i think he's only had three or four horses with me apart from one they've all been pretty good you know i mean he's he had four five runners this year and uh three of them one sort of thing you know three races and not Come to the Fontwell races. i <clears throat> discrediting
0: them, but, but you know they've been decent prize money races as well. You know. Um, so, um, I mean, you, you've been you've been in this game longer than most of us, and you've seen owners come and owners go, and you had a very high profile one go quite recently with a very high profile horse. Um, does a does a day like yesterday, sort of become all the sweeter because you 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 know you appreciate those who who have stuck with you through thick and thin. Okay,
3: yeah, it does. You know, um, uh, you know, I, do, I I, you know, you have to appreciate it. You know, because if you didn't, you you shouldn't really be doing it. You know, but, um, you know, like uh, it, it's, it, there's there's quite a lot of downs in this game as many, so you have to enjoy the good days as many because there's plenty of bad days. And I think the bad days kind of just about outnumber the good days. If I will be honest with you.
0: Well, that was Gary Moore, and uh, David Yates still with me. David, if I, if I call people early in the morning, I, I, I can guarantee that they're either going to be around the horses or around their family or both, and there's, I always feel there's never any point asking people to go into a quiet room. You've got, you got the answer to why there, because um, you know that a person who works in horse racing's life is going to be necessarily hectic, uh, and uh, I thought that, that demonstrated it beautifully.
2: It did. did. Did I hear a, a female voice say he's in bed yeah, at, I, at some point to that yeah. in that interview? I don't know if that was Jane or anyway. Um
0: It definitely wasn't in reference to Gary anyway.
2: No, it certainly wasn't. Um yeah, that was a look, that's a that was a feel-good, happy scene, wasn't it? Um it, it's often it's it's often a, a bit of a cliche on the on the TV. They always refer to the Moors as the hardest working family in racing. I'm sure there are plenty of families that would say, well, we work extremely hard too uh, at this game. But what we can say without fear of contradiction, they're a very popular family and they're an extremely high achieving one. Um, we know that they've suffered the slings and arrows of uh, horse racing as, as much as any family has. And... Um, this was a, a an incredible day yesterday. Uh, the uh, you referenced the the tweet by Steve Jones, and it's just to put Nassalam in some sort of context. Uh, what he did yesterday, Carville's Hill, he won in nineteen ninety one by 20 lengths of 172. Remember, of course, that he would then go on to run in the Cheltenham Gold Cup where uh, he sustained an injury. Master Oaks, Master Oaks he, he won at Newbury. He beat seven rivals in that restaged Welsh Grand National. He did that by 20 lengths of 154. I know I'm going on. Synchronised in 2011, uh, scored off 150. Elegant escape won as a six-year-old off 151 in 2018, a native river two years earlier scored off 155. He'd won the Hennessy, but he stayed on 155 uh, because he carried 11 stones twelve, And he then moved up to 168 on the back of that Welsh national win. So that gives you some sort of, Albeit a a little bit dry, but it gives you a a context in terms of the figures of what Naslam did yesterday. He scored off one hundred and forty five. He was four pounds well in, uh, with that four pound penalty. Uh, he'd gone up eight pounds as a result of winning the Welsh Grand National Trial, but he won by a whopping thirty four lengths. So, goodness only knows what the handicap is going to do with that. Nick, I, I I don't I don't envy him sitting down and trying to work that one out.
0: Um, and great performance from Editor De Geek. Well done to to them at, at Kempton, but no doubt the the most striking performance of the of the day, in terms of pure raw class and quality, came in Ireland at Leopardstown from Marie Nationale for for Barry Connell, the Supreme Novices Hurdle winner,
2: made his debut over fences and he was absolutely brilliant. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. You could almost see the cogs whirring in his head. Everything he did was so measured. There's a If you watch a replay of the race, uh, the fence as they go away from the stands uh, was the, the one that sticks in my mind. He wasn't extravagant. He didn't give it masses of air. It was just a, a really efficient and safe and solid way of jumping fences. I don't think he was perfect at either of the two ditches, but... Everything else, I thought he was exceptional. You know, it's often the way when bookmakers come out with a um, a price like that for the Arkell, and and it's 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 the easy reaction to set to to say, well, oh, you know, far too short. I I wouldn't want to be uh, backing him at that price with you know three months to go until the race. But the corollary of that is if someone came along with a a load of cash and said right will you lay me that price i think i, I would definitely say i i i don't want to do that i'd, I'd happy for someone else to accommodate you but um not me if you don't mind
0: and on on any ordinary day in any other time a trainer going one two three in a grade one race all for the same owner would perhaps have dominated headlines today but these are different times and the fact that it's Willie Mullins and it's a one two three for J.P. McManus, Dino Blue, Gentleman Demi and saint in the Paddy's Reward Club chase grade one two miles in the furlong yesterday at Leopardstown it almost slipped slipped along without much much fanfare and it was uh, Mullins's main rival in Ireland Gordon Elliott who perhaps grabbed a greater share of the headlines courtesy of Caldwell Potter in the future Champions Novices Hurdle why because the horse was related to the ill-fated and very talented Mighty Potter for the same connection made a big impression and continuing very much this theme of the early part of the year that that Elliot it's not not just that he's built his traditional autumn lead over Mullins which we would be used to getting eroded into the spring and so forth but that he is, he seems to be doing best in terms of where the young
2: talent is. There was much speculation as to what would happen to Gordon Elliott when it was announced that the Jiggins Town horses were going to be reduced in number. Well, they're still around. It, at that point, I think that Gordon Elliott appeared to have too many eggs in one basket, but he certainly doesn't have that now. Caldwell Construction, um, Nolan Valerie Moore, inspective stud Rob Cor too. Um, they're all significant players in that stable now. We know that as a, a as a self-employed person, you, you don't want to re- rely solely on one source of income, one income stream. And Gordon Elliott has, has managed that extremely skillfully. And it means that at one point, maybe we thought, well... Where's he going to be without Jiggins? Town. Well, he's in an extremely strong position now, and that looks to be getting stronger. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would imagine that he would look back on the first half of this season probably with more satisfaction than he's done in in a while. And so the the, the omens are extremely good for
0: him do you know i felt for weatherby racecourse yesterday because at one minute they were saying well it's soft ground possibility of further rain could ease the ground further and in the blink of an eye in about 45 minutes the meeting had been abandoned i think it's fair to say that a deluge uh, caught everybody out their their boss john joe sanderson is is with me now uh john joe that, you, presumably you turned around and thought right that's not quite what we were expecting
4: yeah, that's right, Nick. Good morning. Um, I mean, we'd had um, we'd had a forecast which suggested we'd get five mil, um, you know, through the early hours of the morning to around the time I'd get to the course at six o'clock. Um, and then we'd get another 10 mil stretched across the, throughout racing, which, you know, bit of a boring day when it's wet like that, but one we could cope with. So um, that was what we went to bed with. And then I woke up and got to the track and we'd had nine mil in basically three hours. And I went and had a prod and a proke around in the dark and thought with my headlights and, and my head torch and thought, actually, it's taken this incredibly well. Um, and then it just, this, it was steroids. So I have torrential rain for another two hours and the rain gauge went up to 20 mil. And honestly, when the light came up at about quarter to eight, we could start to see see the course. Um, so by now it's had, you know, just short of an inch of rain. Um and you know where we'd raced on boxing day the footholds were starting to fill up there was there wouldn't have been a fence down the back straight at eight o'clock yesterday morning we could actually jump um one of the hurdles was not looking particularly um um safe either so you know and the ground was becoming um unstable with the amount of water and the fact we've you know we've raced a few times and we've lost lost the route structure so we took the decision obviously to to abandon which you know was late in the day and and i felt um very sorry to have to do it very late in the day and i know you know, Paul Nichols' guys were on the road, and Neil Mulholland. So I've got on the phone to everybody I could as quickly as I could once we'd made the decision to try and, to try and save any um, hustle for them. But bitterly disappointing. But yeah, totally, um, totally knocked by yeah. uh, by the weather forecast.
0: So it's it's what you would traditionally have called soft ground in the dark, and then when the lights come up, you've had half an inch of rain in just under two hours, and you're done. You're kiboshed
4: yeah totally that and then it, and then you know as weather problems have been documented with the with the dikes and ditches as every hour passed yesterday more and more water came so, and when i left the course at just after one o'clock the back straight was actually flooded so you know whilst we might have said yes at eight o'clock by the time we got into the first race there was there was now large areas of, of standing water and, and by the last race we would have been underwater
0: we we talk quite a bit on this on this show and I talked about it again about the the Kempton crowd over the over the Christmas period the extent to which racecourses depend on on footfall and crowds would I be fair in suggesting that the footfall for this fixture for your Christmas fixture is actually a pretty important part of your business model.
4: Hugely Nick absolutely hugely Um, you know we we were very lucky on Boxing Day we got you know probably just over 10,000 people which we haven't had um, 10,000 on Boxing Day for two or three years certainly not post-Covid so um, you know we were we were delighted with that and everybody seemed to have a great day and the weather was clear blue skies and sunshine and fantastic um, and we were you know our pre-sales for yesterday were sort of three and a half four thousand and whilst the forecast would have put some of the walk-ups on the day I reckon we'd have got you know another another five thousand yesterday um, you know so fifteen thousand over the two days to us is was a huge number um, so having lost the, you know the second half of a busy meeting having lost the first half of the charlie hall and having lost the saturday at the beginning of december already this season we are um you know it's going to be a pretty poor financial year for us uh,
0: people will assume that you insure against this uh, do you do that or are the premiums too high to make that worthwhile no, uh, we, we don't, Nick. Um, I mean, after we'd lost
4: the Charlie Hall meeting at oh, the Friday of the Charlie Hall, I looked at ensuring the Christmas. But um, you know, I'll tell you—I don't mean I'll be open about it. The premium was two hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> that was a massive. You know, that's just not viable to have a premium of that sort of magnitude. Um, and you know, we—it would have just basically washed its face. I would have thought. If, um, so no we don't we don't insure we kind of we build a line of self-insurance into our our profit loss um, expense uh, account and um, you know we hope that we don't have to use it but we've we have had to
0: Uh, John Joe Sanderson there the Weatherby Supremo interesting thoughts about uh, uh, insuring race meetings David Yates I I think a lot of people just assume that these are insured and thanks very much and the race courses don't lose anything but that rather tells you a different story
2: yeah I'd assume that and I suppose one thing that's one didn't take account of is the you know the the more extreme weather that we appear to be having these days um the it's it's pretty evident that um the forecast got it wrong uh, overnight into yesterday morning and there was a lot more rain than than was predicted um it you know it, actuaries are actuaries aren't they and they would they would look at the numbers and think right well the the risk of these meetings being abandoned now is is greater than it was maybe 10 15 years ago looking at weather patterns and so we're going to have to bump up your premiums 200 grand seems absolutely extortionate doesn't it but you you know we can't we can't observe what's happening at the moment with our weather without taking on board well of course those premiums are going to go up because um insurance companies beg bear- a greater risk of a payout. They're just merely balancing the books. Whether they've overbalanced them, um, it, it, it seems that that might be the case, but it, it sounds eye-watering 200 grand, doesn't it, to, to to ensure a meeting. It's interesting that Weatherby should have got
0: north of 10,000, which is their best crowd for a number of years, and Kempton had a poor-ish crowd relative to the glory days and relative to even pre-2019 and pre-COVID. If you listen to Lee and, and Tom yesterday, just over 11,000. And I was reading a a piece in the the Times today that I was alerted to by a a regular listener who's a a fairly high-profile figure in horse racing. And he sent me Michael Atherton's column about about test cricket. And Atherton writes, Oddly, while there's never been more money in it, parts of the game have never felt more impoverished. The key shift since my experience moved from playing to observing is that the game has become less sustainable. Once upon a time, a much leaner administered, managed and less well remunerated game survived principally on gate receipts, i.e. on its own terms, but now depends on television deals and soon one imagines the quality of private investment. The consequence of that is the live spectator is now much lower down the list of administrators' priorities. Now, if you replace, Dave, the word television deals, such as it's imagined here, with the word media rights payments and um, the health of the levy, you might have something similar in horse racing how far down the list of administrators priorities at most race courses is the live spectator
2: they're obviously quite a way down aren't they very specifically though Nick in terms of Kempton and i I was there on boxing day I felt it was busy I was a bit confused with the 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 the, 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 the puff that was put out beforehand. I think 10 days before the race saying that Kempton was going to be rammed. Well, it was busy, but I, but the figure was certainly a disappointing one. One of the problems with Kempton park is that it's, it's a dump. Many years ago, they made the decision for it to stage all weather racing, uh, however many times a week in front of empty stands that was, that was going to, uh, that was going to generate income. In in my time of going to Kempton professionally, I can't see that any money has been spent on that place. The lifts don't work. the 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 doors are heavy, old, swinging old doors from the the nineteen eighties. They they've hardly given the place a lick of paint. A few years ago, when the jockey club remember that that press conference when the jockey club um, announced that massive boost in prize money or whatever it was and then halfway down oh and Kempton Park is going to close hoping that people uh, wouldn't notice. I remember a piece by Alistair Down uh, who said well let it close it's become a dump. It's not a particularly uh, welcoming or grand or, or, or special place to visit. The horses are special and the race is special but the venue is tired and it's seen better days and you know look at look look at what other sports are doing in terms of improving their venues Cricket grounds now that say 20 or 30 years ago. Look at a place like Headingley. Yorkshire County Cricket Club has had its controversies over the last few years, we know. But Headingley is a completely different place uh, to visit these days from from when I used to go uh, in the early 90s when I worked in Leeds. And you can say the same about football grounds too. Kempton Park stages the signature race of our uh, midwinter, and yet to go there, and, and I'm not using this word to try and be controversial or, or get clicks or, or attention, but it's a dump. It feels like a dump. Uh, it feels unloved, and I know that there isn't much money to spend on it, but one thing I can say with absolute certainty is that most people, the people who would go to Kempton this Christmas for the first time would not come away from that race course and think, oh, what a lovely place. We must go there again.
0: Well, I, I, I as I said on the podcast the other day, I went to Kempton from when I was about four years old to when I was about... in in my 20s and then was working there a lot as well on boxing days past so i I got quite a lot of the glory days through desert orchid and all that and the place was a completely different type of place then there was no all-weather track the paddock was a massive paddock sort of to the left of where the existing clubhouse is the existing clubhouse which is quite honestly a fantastic and way ahead of its time facility which seems barely to get used these days and and then for for whatever reason even before the all-weather track was uh, was conceived. They, t- the, the, the Jockey Club Racecourse decided to turn it, or Racecourse Holdings Trust, it was then mid nineties, turned it into a much more utilitarian affair. So presumably to equip it for multiple race meetings through the year. So the stand became a lot less ambitious in its scale. Um, the far end of the track wasn't really used. It became much more manageable, and they put that paddock, sort of three sided paddock that you can only really get round a side and a half of, behind the grandstand. Now this predates any administrators. It, pretty much currently in the game so no no one's going to be feeling particularly wounded by this but you've completely changed the the emphasis of the track from some somewhere that did have pretensions to being a big grade one venue into something that was as i say more utilitarian um something that needed to be used three days three days a week panoramic restaurant etc um but then you have a big race day like the king george and you're then trying to you know you have to put temporary bleachers in and get temporary concessions in you know it's not a it's not a facility that is now particularly equipped for for a day like that so you can't then you can't then have it both ways you can't complain when the crowd's not that big and as you say nowadays you need a certain level of grandeur i think um to meet people's expectations for a a big day out over the Christmas period because there's just too much other good stuff on and around on in and around the London area that you can take your family or kids or partner or spouse to
2: let's just quickly compare and I know we're not comparing like with like Ascot and Kempton right now when Ascot was rebuilt on a a very different budget admittedly they had to aim at the highest didn't they 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 weren't looking they weren't Looking at the word utilitarian, because of course Ascot it doesn't race three times a week uh, on the all weather. But if you go to Ascot on the Friday of a jumps meeting, it's like being in a in in an airport where where no one's there, isn't it? It's it's these massive sort of hangar grandstands, and it it looks it feels very strange and very empty. But of course on gold cup day it's absolutely full and it's thronging and it's magnificent and as you say and return to the word utilitarian a decision was made with Kempton Park what they were going to do with it Uh, they were going to race three times a week the the flat track on the turf had become a real underachiever and again when when things get run into the ground you don't really notice when they've gone I, I I loved Catford Greyhound Stadium I lived in Forest Hill a bus ride from the track, and I loved it. but they they never spent any money on it. And when it was sold uh, for housing or developed for housing, people just said, well, it's become a dump. Now with Kempton, They've made that decision. They've. It, it. It. Of course, it feels empty on a Wednesday night when there's no one there, but it doesn't feel as empty as asset is because asset's absolutely massive. But what it does do, you you choose that model, and when there is the big day, you're not able to accommodate it. It's a. It's a financial decision that you make that. Well, we, we're we're going to go for the, the the three meetings a week where nobody's there because that suits our bottom line. The paddock at Kempton of course it's not fit for a race like uh, or or a meeting like the King George meeting because as you say it's only on three sides and barely on three sides really. It's it's essentially just like one side. Um but that's the decision that they've made. Um personally uh like you say, they they can't have it both ways. It it it's a it, it's a track that is there to to churn out uh money every week in terms of staging those fixtures in terms of in terms of media rights and it it, it's not it it's it's no longer a fitting place to or a fit place to to stage a race like the king george so uh, you know all this um hand-wringing about the numbers well I, i i just think that that's a a direct result of of what they've done with the place but certainly one of the other things—I won't go on forever about this—but one of the other things that, with that press conference about, um, you know, all the prize money and, and closing Kempton, was that Sandown Park was going to become a super track. Do you remember that? It was going to—it mm-hmm. was going to become Kempton it was going to be embodied in Sandown with this great racing and these fantastic facilities. Well, I think we all knew at the time that that was a pipe dream. But as I say repeating myself anyone who went to Kempton on Boxing Day or yesterday they, they might have been they will have been thrilled with the racing and you you can't say that the trainers jockeys and most importantly horses didn't do their bit but uh, and, the, been-
0: and the track itself is superb there is not a better yes. there's I think there's barely a better jumps track in the country in terms of watching exciting yeah. racing the chase track is fantastic and it's beautifully it really looked is. after and it you know, there's no everything in front of uh, what's in front of you is great. It's just what I, I, what's be, what's behind you is not a is not a grade one leisure experience.
2: No, I completely agree. And it, as I say, it, it it looks tired and it looks unloved. I know we haven't got the money to knock it down and, and build a, a state of the art facility like Asker or Maydown or whatever it might be, but that doesn't uh, that does not alter the fact that visiting. Kempton is certainly, and I'm talking about just visiting Kempton, not seeing the races, etc. Is a, a an experience that that were I doing it for the first time, I would find I would find underwhelming.
0: Okay, some really significant endeavours uh, in in play at the moment to try to raise funds for Graham Lee via the injured jockeys funds. Um, Efforts which have been significant. Uh, The latest of these is a painting that has been produced by a top equine artist, James Armstrong, who you'll also know from his uh, former role uh, at Newcastle Racecourse. Uh, I myself have got uh, one of his works, which I absolutely love, in my house. And he's a very talented man. And he joins me now. Uh, James, what have you done and what gave you the idea?
5: Um, Well, actually, I was... Um, kindly approached by Steve Brown and Judy Camacho to do a little picture of Shaquille. Um, so I, I did that for them, but they kindly let me do some limited edition prints, which two of which I have out of the six. Um, and they're kindly letting me sell them to anyone who wants them, uh, of which the pro, you know large chunk of the proceeds will go to uh, the Injured Jockeys Fund and towards helping Graham Lee.
0: Okay, so um, they're two of six limited edition prints of Shaquille. Um, which race is it, you've captured him in?
5: It's in the July Cup at Newmarket this summer, so uh, a nice picture of him and, and Russell Ryan happens to be riding.
0: Fantastic. And how do we get in touch?
5: Um, you can contact me um, directly, um, uh, jamesrfarmstrong at gmail.com or via my Twitter feed if anyone wants to direct message me there. I'd happily uh, negotiate something
0: with them. Fantastic. James, um, all the best with it. And I will put uh, your details on my social media when the podcast is done.
5: That's very kind. Appreciate that, Nick.
0: Uh, All the best to James. Thank you for for joining us. And I, I hope he raises lots of money for Graham Lee via the Injured Jockeys Fund. So do check out the details of those two limited edition prints on our social media feeds uh, at Nick Luck is your easiest one on X, formerly known as Twitter. David Yates is with me to give you his selection today. Lee Motter said is setting the bar very, very high at the moment, Yates.
2: Let's see if Jaheedin can uh, meet that bar in the 5.30 at Newcastle tonight. Number five on your race card. This horse is unbeaten in two starts at Gosforth Park, including a nose victory last time, just two pounds high here. Just the five starts on the all-weather for Carl Burks son of KLF, so there should be more to come. 5.30 race at Newcastle, selection number five, Jaheedin. Uh, and
0: Joe Chambers, regular correspondent to this podcast, Racing Manager Richard and Susanna Ritchie, has been in touch saying, I could do with this weather delay disappearing so I can leave Heathrow for Shannon and get to Limerick for the 2.05. And of course, it struck me that in fact, it might not be the Savills chase, but the 205 at Limerick, the Guinness Faheen novices chase grade one, which may yet have the biggest influence on the game. With Gaelic Warrior, this exciting novice chaser ridden by Patrick Mullins for the Richies, and Willie Mullins taking on stable companion de d'Eton and American Mike. All three were brilliant on their chasing debuts so there we are perhaps that and not the Savills chase will be the race of the day 205 at Limerick David Yates thank you very much thank you very much for listening that was the 28th of December I'll be back to do it again tomorrow you've been listening to Nick Luck daily brought to you in association with Fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing
1: Commentary Oh,